Heavenly Father, every word we just sang is true. Would our voices have reached your ears, Father, and would you be pleased to hear us gather to worship, to call upon you now in this moment. You have moved us to stillness. You have caused us to gather. And you have given us the opportunity to bend the knee here and now. Father, you are worthy of all of our praise, of all of our worship, of every single thought we have. If we were to all be glorifying to you, what a beautiful life that would be. And yet we gather time and time again knowing that we drift, we fall, we stumble. We don't always understand what's going on around us. We don't always understand what's going on within us. But you have a plan. You have a plan for this world. You have a plan for every single one of us gathered here today. Would you instill in us a hope in that plan, a hope in you, that no matter what we see before us, we know our Father in heaven is looking at us, smiling and calling us to turn to him. So Father, would every heart in here today be cleansed by you, by the blood of Christ, that no matter what baggage we are carrying in, we can cast them at your feet and find peace. Father, your word is true, it is unchained, it is living, and you are the living God. As we stand and as we gather, we ask that your presence would be found here. That your wisdom, your truth, would fall fresh on our hearts, would fill our souls, center our minds, and still our hearts. Because there is none better than you. There is nothing in this world that could overcome you. Because you created it. And even if everything before us could tell us to turn away from you, you tell us, come to you and we will find rest. Help us find that rest, find that peace, and find truth in your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. But please turn with me to 1 Timothy 3, verses 11 to 13. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is Jesus Christ. 
Okay, keep your attention upward. Let's pray. Thank you again, God. We are always graced to read your word. We're always graced to sing it and to now gather around it and with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, make a conscious effort as a family to love you, uh, to love you in studying, to love you in preaching and in teaching, to love you in listening and taking notes. And our heart's desire, even as we heard on Sunday, is to love you in obedience, to not be those who just call you Lord and fail to do what it is you're telling us. Every time the scriptures are open, every time your word is read or heard, it is a call. It is a call to the believer. It's a call to the unbeliever to come to Christ and uh, you, Lord, are commanding us. And so I pray that you'd help me to make um, the text plain and easy to understand. Uh, but it's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit that life change happens in our church and right now in this room, in, our, in, our, in these hearts that are present. Um, grace us again with yourself in obedience. Let all of our motivation now come from you, Jesus, and the love that was demonstrated to us on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so we're going to kind of get into that. And now I'm going to bring out some, we're going to do some Greek studying tonight. I hope you're ready for that. Like I'm really going to spell out the words and give the definitions because when you just kind of read it face value here, it sounds like it's just possessive pronoun where it's talking about the deacon's wives. But I'm already kind of getting into it. When you study the Greek, it's, it, it, doesn't just say, it doesn't say that. <laughs> it actually says something different. So I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to pray one more time because we're going to get into this. And I, and I pray that God would keep all our wits, minds included. I don't want to confuse anybody or anything. I want to make the main things plain things. But I do hope to have some really good Bible study tonight because um, the, the observation I was kind of waiting for and wondering for was um, the question and observation that I had when I read this. And then after I studied the Greek was, well, does this mean a woman can serve in the office of deacon? And I was, that's for me, I'm going to just kind of st straight out of the gates get into that because that's where we're starting. Uh, if you're visiting, though, and you're kind of like, why are we talking about all this church leadership and stuff? Because in the Bible, and it's super duper important and just top down, I want to just throw this out there. Thank you for being attentive and being curious about this because the leaders in our church and the future of our church, like, it, it, it kind of hinges on whether or not members and brothers just like yourself really get this kind of stuff, okay? And so let's ask for God's grace. Lord, as we walk through these final verses on leadership, give us grace, give, give us understanding, help me to communicate clearly, effectively, efficiently, but it's not so much in the power or eloquence of my communication, it's in spirit working in us, gluing our eyes on the Bible and getting the Bible in our hearts and then getting us to come together in prayer and actually fleshing this out as a family. That's what's going to make this message matter. So do that, we pray. Please, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title I have is Quality and Quantity Servant Leadership. And I just put that as the title to not just for tonight's text, but to summarize the big idea of church leadership and quality because church leadership must be quality. And as we've been studying, it's the quality of what? The character of a person. I want 
those big overarching points to kind of hit. Like I want to redeem and redefine in your brain when you think of a church leader, what's the first thing you think of? And it's got to be Christ-like character. Just, I want to just repeat that and repeat that and repeat that and, 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 and say that again and again and again. Um, because in the future years, decades from now, you're going to be in a business meeting voting on whether or not this guy is a deacon or an elder. And you're going to have to have the right picture in your brain who you're going to vote for. So quality, but then I also have this, and quantity. You know, oftentimes it's said, you know, it's all about quality, not quantity. But with church leadership, no, it's both and. <laughs> you want quality, but it was never meant to be solo. The Bible actually pushes against that because from the very beginning, elders, plural, deacons, plural. And then tonight I want to suggest this. He's inviting more plurality to the team when he gets into this whole word study on women. He speaks to wives or gune, which is just the word woman, whether you're married or not. So, quality, we're going to see repeat points, but then quantity. And so let's just kind of nestle into this. Um, Verse 11, their wives, so that's gune, right? That means woman of any age, whether married or virgin. I'm just reading it out of the Greek dictionary. So then we read woman. So because when you read it in this English translation, it sounds like it's speaking just to the deacon's wives, correct? It could be. There could be deacon wives. But, and this is where there's going to be debate and argument. And there's always been debate and argument on this particular subject of whether, okay, so what is Paul saying here? Is he talking about the deacons' wives or women that are deacons or deaconesses? So gune, wives, or not, they could be wives or they could just be a woman, Big word, likewise, or in like manner. Now, this is just an important word to notice, and I'm going to repeat it again, because when's the last time he said likewise? Look in, the, look in your text. When's the last time he said likewise in our study on church leadership? Verse what? Eight. So big subject, church leadership. Subject number one, elders. He gives the whole qualifications. Deacons, likewise. So there's a shift. And then he starts to talk about those qualifications. And then he says the same word again, likewise. Same subject, but there's a shift. So if in the Greek he's saying women, or women who serve, and then he gives qualifications. What's another observation that's striking to me is why doesn't he talk like this in the elder section? Elders, wives, likewise. Again, I'm just bringing up observations that causes the reader to wonder, Paul, what are you saying? Because the big question that's ever been since this text has been read is, okay, so can women serve as deacons or deaconesses in this office? And loving Christians will differ on this. And, and I'm just going to put out there what I think are the best arguments for both sides. All right? I'm not going to put all the arguments. I'm going to put the best ones that, for, in my opinion, I think these are the best. So some I thought, well, that's an argument, but uh, I don't know. 
So I'm going to just put for, out there for you and then let you guys be reasonable people and read your Bibles and come to your convictions on these things as you read the Bible. Not because an influential teacher told you this is my view on a secondary thing. I want to teach you, family, to, to all the second, third dairy things in Scripture on doctrine. You read your Bible well and come to a conviction after you've read your Bible well. Now, again, I'll say this. Loving Christians differ on this. There's some godly Christians in churches that say no women cannot serve in the office of deacon. And there's some godly, loving Christian churches that say, no, yes, they can. And they look at the same text. All right. Okay? Just threw the wrench out. Because I know that when we were just reading it, nobody made that observation. You had to do a little bit of study. So here we go. I'm going to give you just a couple arguments against women being deacons. All right? And right before I say this, too, I want to let you know that I believe there are churches that don't believe Women can serve as deacons, and they love women, and they celebrate and champion women thriving in the church well. And women will thrive in those churches well. Okay? I just want to put that out there. Okay? But here's one of the, the arguments they say. They say Paul's referring to deacons' wives, not women, generally. And so for them, it's, the, it's an exegetical difference. They're, they're emphasizing, their emphasis is this. Um, they look at the... Um, the Greek word being translated to woman, and they look at the flow of the text primarily in chapter 3, and what they're doing is they're looking at verse 2 and 12, saying Paul is saying gune, hopefully I don't lose anyone here, but, there's, but there, he's referring to wife. Therefore, they conclude that in chapter 3, it's to be translated wife all the way through. Does, does everyone here understand their argument there? They're saying every time he's using it in chapter 3, he's referring to wife. So 3 verse 2, it says this, um, husband of one wife. Verse 12, husband of one wife. And so when he says it again, gune, they're saying it's wife. That's the argument. And they, they let it rest there. Yeah, that's one argument. Another argument they'll say is things like, well, in the, the Jerusalem church in Acts chapter 6, they only chose seven men to serve in the diaconal role. Remember that story? Pastor Corey came. And he preached on Acts 6, the seven that were chosen to wait on tables. They'll say, well, in, in, in that story, they only chose men. They didn't choose women. Now, again, in that text in Acts, they weren't, that's not where the, the office was necessarily deemed. These are seven deacons. They were just seven chosen. But we believe that's the forerunner of the office. So their argument is, in the Jerusalem church, in that particular story, because only in that particular story, they didn't choose any women to serve as in that role. So therefore, they conclude no can. They'll also say, because um, people on the other side, they'll bring up Romans 16.1, where Paul references to a woman named Phoebe, and he says she was a servant. But they'll say that he was just generally speaking, sister just served. That's it. He wasn't saying she's a deacon. They're just saying she generally served. That's the argument. They'll say things like, and this is the last one I'll share on this side of the argument. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 to 15, remember this? Um, he says, a woman is not to exercise authority over a man. Remember that? She's to remain silent. Do you guys remember? Yes? Yeah? And so they're saying, okay, there's that principle that women are not to exercise authority over men. And so if we're going to say, okay, now a woman can serve in the office of deacon, it's undercutting and undermining that teaching. And Paul wouldn't be inconsistent. All right? 
Okay, I'm, I'm not going to repeat the arguments. We'll just put them up there. And I can't tell if you're convinced or not. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to tell me. We're not voting. We're not saying, what do you believe tonight? You can talk about it after, sure. Um, I'm just going to kind of give you the best arguments, I think, as to why some loving brothers and sisters say, no, women cannot serve as deacons. Here, okay, now I'm going to give you the arguments for, um, yes, they can. Okay? Argument number one, scripture nowhere explicitly prohibits women to serve in this role. So, if, why forbid what the Bible doesn't say explicitly? All right? That's an argument. It's not ex- as explicit in 1 Timothy 2.12 in the role of office of elder. And so Paul doesn't explicitly say it. So that's the argument. So Scripture nowhere explicitly prohibits it. Another argument is this. 1 Timothy 2.12 um, is not undermined. It doesn't contradict, meaning it's not undercutting the authority because the deacon office, unlike the elders, the deacons aren't charged to shepherd the flock or rule over and give sound doctrine. They're not going to be held accountable, according to Hebrews, um, for the souls. So the deacon, its office in its nature is subservient to the elder. So if a woman was to serve in that office, she's not contradicting what Paul said, they're not, exor- they're not to exercise authority over man. Yeah? I think I, I saw some heads underst- following that argument well, so I'm not going to repeat it. But that's that argument. It doesn't undermine what Paul was teaching earlier. Third argument. Paul refers to women, not women, not deacons, wives. And they'll say their exegetical argument is this. Um, there's no possessive pronoun. It's not saying it's the wives of the deacons. Um, and then they'll say, you know how you guys on that side, you looked at just chapter 3, well, we're going to look at the whole book and the whole letter and every time Paul uses this word. And then when they expand and look at the whole letter, and I'll give you the references, 1 Timothy 2, 9 through 14, five times the word is used and it's not referring to a wife. It's referring to just a woman. So they're saying, you guys just looking at chapter 3, we're looking at the whole book. And then they'll go farther and they'll say, okay, let's just look at chapter 3 and those two verses. But those two verses aren't teaching you must have a wife. They're just saying, Paul is trying to draw, they just need to be men who are faithful. So you can't just conclude, there you, he uses wife, wife, therefore this must be wife. Because it's not saying, it, it's just alluding, it's, it's using that as a picture to examine their faithfulness. Okay, hopefully you caught that. I don't want to repeat things unless they're repeat worthy. If you have questions on this and you want to talk after, let's talk after. I want to be um, fair to you guys in your time tonight, but I do want to give you these arguments because they're really there and um, it's in the Bible. Next argument, second to the last, is the usage of likewise. So he's distinguishing the women as a deacon. So they look at the rhythm, like, okay, verse 2, overseers must, and then qualifications. Verse 8, deacons likewise must, qualifications. Verse 11, women likewise must. Why does Paul speak in this fashion? And the argument is he's distinguishing because there are women who can serve as deacon. Lastly, their argument is Phoebe was a deacon, not just a general servant. And their argument is, if you look at Romans 16, it says, Phoebe, a servant of the church at Ken Craig, or however you pronounce that. 
So Paul does give, and then it's also written in the masculine form. Why that matters? Why that, <laughs> it's because it would be strange if he's just describing a female with a character trait. Why would you wouldn't put it in the masculine form? You would put it in the feminine form. So the argument is be the fact that Paul used the masculine form when he was introducing Phoebe as a servant is he's referring to the office. And then they will also say, and as you look at all the other women in Romans 16 that were referred to as servants of God, they, didn't, they weren't given this specific peculiar title the way Phoebe was as a servant of a church. So they're arguing, no, Phoebe was a deaconess. All right? Hopefully I was faithful to present both sides of the argument. Are you wondering where I land? <laughs> well, those are the arguments. And in order for us to continue through the study, though, especially in this verse, uh, I will let you know where I land on this. And I'll let you know how and just why. And yet, I am okay if we disagree on this. I'm totally okay. And that's what we need to learn as a church family. It's okay to disagree. Right? And so we can talk more about this in our church and how this applies and whatnot after. But I am just convinced by Scripture and my own word study and the helps of others on both sides who study this that I do think there is a place for women to serve as deacon in the church, as a deaconess. I do. I am convinced by Scripture. And I'm okay if you disagree. And I'm okay if even in our leadership we disagree right now. Okay, Because our church, just to put it on the table, we don't have like a hardcore stance on this thing. I don't even think we've wrestled with it. <laughs> and so we're doing it right here, right now. But with that said, my first point is going to be then, a deaconess likewise must have Christ-like character. All right, let's shift back into the teaching and try to hear what Paul is trying to communicate, not just to the elders, but also the deacons and deaconesses or, or their wives, if you prefer that conviction, that are serving alongside their deacon, because that could be true as well. In any case, the men and the women who are serving in the church must, and he's repeating it, and then this is the word Olivia brought up, dignified, worthy of respect. We talked about these things, but we're going to talk about them again. Because I wonder if this is a word you need to hear tonight. I need to hear tonight. When you live a life worthy of the gospel, you become dignified. You're, you're an example. Your character credits people to favor you. You see, these women, as they served, they were honored by those under them, whether they had a title or not. So ladies, listen up. This is, the, this is what we ought to aspire for. They served the church and King Jesus in such a way that they were so dignified. People wanted to be on their team. They wanted to serve in their committee with them. Deaconesses were notable among the membership. So just a quick question devotionally for all of us tonight. Are we dignified? How about reverse the question? Is there any area in your life right now that's undignified? Important questions. That's a deacon and a deaconess. They ought to lead off. They're the type of people that promote unity, and they spur others who serve to want to serve more. They're the, they're the kind of people that um, we want to honor by just the way they carry themselves and serve well. That's a dignified person. 
Let's keep moving, though. So the opposite of a dignified, de- dignified deaconing is creating disunity. Deacons and deaconesses are meant to preserve and create unity in the church, and they do it by the example of their life. But the opposite is, the, is, the, is to create disunity. And one of the perennial ways to create disunity is the next part, not slanderers. Think about that. Diabolos is the Greek word, since we're talking all this Greek tonight devilish, to accuse falsely. It's prone to talk stink. That's the Greek translation, all right? It's prone to talk stink, prone to, to, to tear a person down with words. You know, Mark 7, it says, from within, out of our heart, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, and then he says, slander. You ever slander someone? You ever say something about someone in hopes to tear them down? You ever say something, kids, about your brother or your sister in order to make them look bad? That's slander. Now, when a person is slandering, if you're being slandered tonight or if you're the slanderer, what that does, it just reveals, according to Mark 7, it's a heart problem. There's pain and offense inside your heart, and you don't know how to deal with it, so you slander. All slandering does is reveal to us the condition of the person's heart. And in this context, it disqualifies them to serve as a deacon or deaconess. We don't need and won't want church leadership that talks stink about another church leader or another member. Oh, man, I cringed. And my experience is growing up in church. I walked in rooms at times where the ministry leaders that were overseeing us They were having meetings, and what I overheard was them talking talking smack about a person at the church that they're trying to serve. Pray for me. Let's pray. Because this person is da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's slander. We got to be careful, guys. Slanderers can't be our leaders. But what the slanderer does need is the gospel. And again, some of this might sound repeat, but I wonder. I wonder if there's people in the house tonight that you're dealing with a relationship that is very slanderous right now. Words have been exchanged. Things have been said. There's ice in the relationship. You guys don't even look at each other. It's awkward to be in the room because slander has happened. Then tonight is a word for you. And tonight is a word for us to come to Christ and say, what must we do? Well, first we identify it's a heart issue. And you need to go to the cross. And you need to repent, ask for forgiveness. And don't let my words be used to hurt, but rather build up. Slanders need milk. They need to go back to the mysteries of the faith that we talked about. Proverbs 18.21, you know that death and life are in the power of the tongue? You know, James chapter 3 says, your tongue is so powerful, it can set a whole person's course of life on fire. You ever had someone say something, something to you, negative to you, at the wrong time, in the wrong place, and just crushed you? Crawled up in a ball and just wept? You know the whole little rhyme or riddle, sticks and stones, may what? And what's the second part? That's not true. Sticks and stones will break your bones, and words will crush your heart. 
My, my bones will take some time to heal, but the heart takes sometimes a lot longer to heal. Guys, we need to, men and women, we need to, we need to. How, how much attention do you put on the words that come out of your mouth? Let's heed the word of the Lord this evening. Let's be careful. Let us learn these things. So a deaconess, right, Christ-like character traits. It's talking about they're, they're not to be slanders. They're to be sober-minded. We talked about that. They're not to, to have their senses intoxicated. How are you going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength if your heart and mind is all kapakai? You just no can, right? And so deaconesses or deacons, we've learned these things already, but we're repeating them. They need to have their wits. they got to have their whole mind. Faithful in all things. What does that mean in the Greek? Faithful in all things. What he's saying is the deaconess is just like he told the men, deacons, they are to be men of faithfulness. That's why he says faithful to one wife, faithful to your household, your children. What Paul is trying to draw out of this quality leadership, men and women, is you guys are men and women who are faithful in all things, everywhere. Is your yes, yes? Is your no, no? So whether you're married or not or single, do you exude faithfulness? Just think right now. Think of the things you said yes to. Think of the covenants and the promises you and I have made. Do we, do, are we people who keep our word? And again, for the deaconess, they need to exemplify that. Let's just keep it rolling because these are repeats. Verse 12, the deacons each to be a husband of one wife. This is not new to us, but let's say it again. Because perhaps tonight there are men in the house who are struggling to be faithful to one wife. Let's hear the word tonight. The word of God, the spirit of God is fleshing out through this text. If you're struggling with being unfaithful. And single people, this doesn't let you out of the room. If you have the character traits of being loosey-goosey with your eyes. You're scrolling and playing and looking at things that you ought not look at. It's going to cultivate in your heart a character of unfaithfulness. You're checking people out. You're looking at dirty films and movies and pornography and things of such. Is it cultivating in you a, a heart of faithfulness or unfaithfulness? That's what Paul's getting at. So boys in the house, start learning to be a faithful man of one wife tonight. What you decide to do tonight the way you use your eyes, the things that you think and do. You know character carries over. You can't run away from your character. The character you have as young boys is going to be the same character you have when you're older boys. It's going to be the same character you have when you're older men if your character stays the same. So listen and learn now. I wish when I was your age, what I had set up in my mind as like what I want, what is macho, what super, like what I want to be when I grow up was, I want to be, if God gives me a wife, a faithful man. That's, what, that's my dream. That's macho in God's economy. Learn these things now. Deacons are to be one woman man. Their de deacons are to lead their family well. It's managing the children, the households. We talked about this. You guys are well versed in this. Let's just remind ourselves, deacons, deaconesses, Everyone in our leadership got to be family people. We got to lead. And that word well, I like that Jared said the word beautiful because that's exactly what it is in the Greek. It's beautiful. Now, as we come to a close in verse 13, 
See all those quality character traits? Just a reminder, where do these deacons and elders and deaconesses learn this from? Who do they learn this from? Who shines this the best? Don't whisper it. You can shout it. Jesus. Yes. Jesus. Yes. That's why quality character, Christ-like character is a must. It's a mandatory for church leadership. Verse 13, it says this. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I have the points here. A life of humble servitude will be honored and recognized. That's the first point. So it says those who serve well. So he's talking about everything that he just taught on. The deacon, the deaconess who humbly serves, that's serving well, like Christ, like Jesus. This is what they gain. Donna was bringing that up. This is what they earn. This is what they're given to by God. It's a good standing. Now, the Greek picture is a pedestal. They have a good standing above the rest. They're highlighted. They're on display. They're honored. They're recognized. Now, this is not a reach for them pridefully because the, the, the good elder and deacon, they know in their heart that's not what they're trying to do. But what God does is says, okay, with humility comes honor, buddy. That's a proverb, Proverbs 18. I oppose the proud, so we don't want prideful leaders. But you know the humble ones? I show grace to the humble. God has this way of lifting up humility. So here's the word, church. All of us embrace humility. Love it. It's really hard to follow Jesus when you're prideful. Walking with the Lord is almost, it is impossible when you're prideful. But when you're humble and you embrace that and you want that, he says here, they're going to gain a good standing. We want men and women in leadership that we honor and we respect and we lift up. That's my pastor. That's my deacon. That's my deaconess. If you land on that side. And I got to be straight. And I was bringing this text to a close. I love reading the Bible when I not only have pictures and images of people in the scriptures or church history, but when I got the live thing right in front of me. Because, oh man, church, I got to be honest with you. As I was finishing up this series on leadership, I had, and just bear with me because I'm a dreamer, but I had these, you, you ever, you know when you watch movies, you know like the superhero walk, the slow motion super, like the dream team walk, there's that group of the dream team, they're all like, and they're just studly and just, they're walking and you're like, yeah, you know, like, and so I had in my mind, like this quality, quantity, plurality of leadership with this slow motion, not superhero walk, but I just saw like, you know, godly, Christ-like men and women that were like okay with dirt, okay with sweat, okay with blood. They just served so well, day in, day out, unseen, under rowers, just gritty, hard, with love and light in their eyes. And they're just surfing. And it just started to multiply. And I started getting so giddy just imagining that. And I really think that's what God's doing in our church. The leadership's here. It's you, it's us. As we wrap up the series on church leadership, it's an invitation for you to be part of the team. You're going to gain a good standing. 
Live a humble life of servitude. You'll be honored and recognized. And the second is, if you live a humble life of servitude, it results in an increasing confidence in Christ. And that's it. That's the last point. An increasing confidence in Christ. I believe with all my heart in this life, as we wait for the next, what you're going to want every day is an increasing confidence. (laughs) Another way to say it, you're going to want boldness. Another way to say it, don't you want encouragement? Another way to say it is, don't you want your heart to be strong? And the Bible is teaching us, it's those who serve well, they're the ones that get stronger. Think about it like this. Those who are training well in godliness, think about it. When you train, you get what? Stronger. How about like this? If you train junk, you know it gets stronger. If you train well, you get what? Stronger. My personal trainer, I have a personal trainer, and she tells me all the time, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And she's trying to put a fire under me and say, start moving, start training. That's my wife. <laughs> and and she just, she's so faithful to whisper those things in my ears because I'm so lazy. The hardest thing about getting going and training is just starting, isn't it? It's those first steps. Paul gives us these great Beautiful, not just incentives, but straight up, man, if, if you, all of us, whether you hold the office of elder or deacon or deaconess or not, all of us are called to have these attributes. And when we embody humble servitude, church, God will honor and recognize. He'll lift you up and you'll gain a great confidence in Christ. So we're bringing this to a close We'll talk about leadership and stuff the next time it's in the Bible. But I really want to finish like this. I want to really try to invite and encourage you to, to build this team together. That, like, like, who's the committee, guys? Who's the search committee? Us. Us. Church members nowadays don't talk like that. They think it's someone else's responsibility. They think it's the pastor's responsibility. It's the church. I have in my head dreams and visions of this church being filled, teeming, with godly church leaders. And I wonder if many of them are in the room right now. You're just in training. I don't know if you've ever thought of it. You ever, all of us, men, women, you ever thought, you ever aspire to serve in the church in this degree? You ever thought God could use you like that? Why not? Aspire it. Because purely simply what we're doing is we're just wanting to be like Jesus. Amen? Amen. I hope and pray that, um, and I've been really encouraged, the feedback as we've been studying through this, oh, I wish I could just quote so much of the remarks that were made, like people saying, I didn't know that my input mattered. I didn't know that I could be a part of this. People are being a lot more attentive to us as leaders and prayerful for us, asking us how we're doing in certain things. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's a family thing. It's a team effort. Amen? Let's shut it down. Let's pray. Let's sing our way out. And um, let's keep growing in godliness together. Lord Jesus, your word is good and your word is true. And perhaps what you're doing this evening is setting apart brothers and sisters 
to serve in ways that is much greater and much grander than they have ever thought or imagined. I pray that there be not only little boys and little girls in the house that would one day serve the church in special prominent ways, but big boys and big girls, men and women, husbands and wives, young saints, old saints. But who's going to affirm them? It's us. Who's going to assure them? It's the church. Who's going to help them sift through and discern if they're called? It's the church. We're a family, God. And I pray that not just because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian, whether I hold this office or not one day, that I will heartily always give myself to the building up of the body of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would put in our hearts a deep care for our leaders. Father, we confess we don't pray for our leaders as we ought. I'm just feeling led by the Spirit to do this. If you are a deacon in the house serving in our church right now, would you just please stand just so you're recognized? Just do that. If you're a deacon that's here tonight, in prayer, feel free to look and glance. Stretch your hand out. However the Spirit leads you. We're going to pray for our deacons right now. We're wrapping up a teaching on deacons. And we have deacons present here. And we're going to pray for them. Father, we thank you so much for our deacons. God, we love them. And you have raised them up and called them and placed them in our church and in our midst. And the advancement of the gospel won't happen as effectively without them. We pray that you'd protect them, Lord. Make them dignified servants. Make them faithful servants. Protect them in their homes, God. Their marriages if they're married. Their children, their fathering if they have children. The close relationships to them. Let them be men, servants who serve and lead well. We pray that they would be servants who hold to the mysteries of the gospel. I pray that in New Orleans Baptist Church, when we see deacons, we don't just have this musty thought of, oh, that's, that's the guy who passes out communion. But no, that's a, that's a brother. That's an example of Christ. And these are men. These are servants that we can lean on and come to for prayer. God, what we pray is you'd multiply this now. And we pray that New Uanu could be a church, a hub that raises up good godly leaders. We pray that if there's any way that these deacons tonight are hurting, honestly, if there's any struggles that they're dealing with, with sin, that tonight will be a night you would renew and restore and redeem them and encourage them in the call, help them to have a good standing and let them have great confidence in the faith that's in Christ Jesus. God, we thank you for placing servants among us now. So as we all enter into worship, we pray that, Spirit of God, you'd fall in this place and you continue to do big things among us. We love you, Lord. Thank you for our church leaders. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's join our deacons in standing.
brothers and sisters, let our soul rejoice for Christ is ours forevermore. He is our greatest treasure. Do not be so quick to forget that. Let us not be so quick to forget that. I need that too, Lord. And as we go about this week, Lord, teach us to hunger and thirst for your righteousness, Lord. Bearing hum humble hearts and desire to walk with our Lord in righteousness. Light the path for us, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Go in his peace.